0: It's wonderful when you think you have a, you know, an innovative idea and then you realize that you're really just part of a bigger community trying to all solve for the same thing. And it's validating for us because obviously our idea is novel and it's definitely new. But when you see groups like Hello Alfred, who, who are just doing a wonderful job of integrating technology into multifamily in a way that brings a personalized type concierge service to each of the residents. We think that we're just one piece of a bigger puzzle that is doing exactly what you described, kind of the the hotelification of multifamily.
1: Welcome to XN State. Where's the greatest opportunity in real estate today? That's what I need to know. We'll hear from industry leaders with boots in the ground and skin in the game. Who's winning? How are they winning? Stick around and we'll find out right here on XN State. Hello and welcome back to XM State. This is your host, JCQ. Today we bring in Trevor Hightower, President and Chief Development Officer at Craftwork Group to discuss what he and his team are doing to reinvent and invigorate amenity spaces in commercial real estate. Craftwork partners with developers and landlords to design and service the next generation of our buildings, one that integrates the experience created through Craftwork's space-as-a-service platform that gives residents, tenants, and coffee patrons what we all long for a true community connection in an increasingly isolated world. In today's interview, we discuss how Kraftwerk is building partnerships with developers and landlords to expand their presence. We discuss what Trevor calls the hotelification of traditional commercial real estate. We discuss Kraftwerk's laser focus on their end users' experience, and we even talk about the company's coffee roasting facilities in Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of XM State. Without further ado, here is today's guest, Trevor Hightower. Trevor, it's a pleasure to have you on State. How are you today? I'm
0: doing doing great, Jorge. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. How is Fort Worth? You're in Fort Worth, right? We're in Fort Worth. It is hot, but we love this city and um, things are going well. We have three locations in Fort Worth in our roasting facility. So this is a special place because it's where our majority of our team resides and we love the city.
1: Wow. I can't wait to hear all about your roasting facilities. That sounds like a (laughs) <laughs> like a place my, my wife and I would like to visit.
0: Oh, come out anytime. We'd love to have you and uh, serve you some great coffee. Josh is our head roaster and he is, uh, he is wonderful at his craft.
1: Wow, that sounds very exciting. So, Trevor, why don't we begin by hearing a little bit about your experience and what you've done leading up to craft work and a little bit about the company in general and, and what it is that you're up to these days?
0: Yeah, thanks so much. And before I begin, Jorge, I just want to just mention uh, I've listened to a number of your podcasts and really uh, a big fan of what you're doing, the value that you're creating for multifamily industry, the real estate industry in, in general. Thank you so much for doing it. It's a pleasure to be on today.
1: I really appreciate you saying that, Jorge. That does mean a lot. And I think that the main reason is. We've been able to bring on phenomenal guests such as yourself now, so I think this is going to be another one of those great episodes.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I I am a, a washed up uh, commercial real estate a professional, a has-been, if you will, and I'll <laughs> share a little bit of my story of how I got here. I grew up in Dallas, Texas in a suburb called Plano, and I went to the Air Force Academy because they let short but slow linebackers play there. But for a young man who needed structure and and guidance and mentorship and discipline, the Air Force and the academy was a a wonderful place for me. I was stationed in LA Air Force Base and went to grad school out there. Air Force was, it was a great opportunity to go to grad school while I was working on, on a space program at the base. And one of the classes that I really gravitated towards was a real estate finance class. I I took a lot of the other finance classes, but the asset class of real estate just seemed to make a lot more sense to me than uh, maybe uh, the stocks or the bonds did to me. It was more of the, the tangible nature of taking raw land and turning it into value through real estate or value creation of taking a building and, and improving it and made a lot more intuitive sense to me. And so when I got out of the Air Force, I started working for a private REIT that was based out of Chicago, but was doing big box industrial development in the Inla- Inland Empire. And so I got really good at spending 10 to 12 hours a day behind an Argus model, as probably many listeners on this call has done. And was really grateful for that time as an analyst and just understanding real estate as an asset class more. And then they say, luck is what happens when preparedness meets opportunity. And for me, that was when the great financial crisis hit. And I mentioned that because it was a really hard time, obviously, for the entire industry. In our shop, like many, shrank from about 30 people to about four. And I think because I was cheap and I told the CEO that I would play any position, including sweeping the floors, I I got the opportunity to move from behind the financial analyst desk and try to do my best to lease some spec industrial developments that we had underwritten way too favorably that were sitting vacant out in the desert in, in California. And then you know, through no real skill, just a lot of effort, and then really the market turning quicker than any of us thought, we were able to stabilize those assets. And I, it was a great learning experience but I got credit for something I probably shouldn't have got credit for. But I did find out in the process that I love the transaction of the deal love the deal making, love the interaction with brokers and really trying to problem solve to create the deal. And with that kind of knowledge, I moved to Houston, Texas and worked for a great mentor and friend, Mike Franson, that you should definitely have on this podcast. And he was leading the Houston office for Parkway Properties, which is a publicly traded office REAP. And I came in to work with Mike initially to help grow their third-party property management platform. And then that role moved to the director of leasing for our 12-building office portfolio in Houston, and loved that role and just loved working for Parkway and for Mike. And then unexpectedly, CBRE gave me an opportunity to lead the Houston office on what CBRE calls their occupier practice. That's their their tenant rep practice. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to go back to my Air Force roots from a leadership side and get to lead a, a group of incredible professionals who were really you know, the best in class as far as their profession of, of office tenant rep. But really focus on how we could share information grow the business for you know the entire office in a way that was a little bit more coordinated and and that tried to always do something that's really hard in brokerage but work more as a team than as individuals and and love that experience and then in 2016 right when we had our, our third child uh, should mention i'm married with three wonderful kids to my college sweetheart and we decided right when we had our third child, that that would be the perfect time to start a company. Okay. (laughs) And I'll stop there. Yeah.
1: No, well you, you stopped right at the best part.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the scariest part. And, uh, the part where a lot of my mentors at CBRE and and others kind of would sit me down to a nice breakfast or lunch and, and in a very kind way say, and you're doing what again and why, and so always kind of in me to be entrepreneurial. And while I was at CBRE, I saw a trend line of the growth and shared office space, both as the gig economy was exploding. And, uh, you know, a lot of our corporate clients, a lot of the enterprise side of the business were saying, as opposed to signing a 10 year lease, you know, we would love to have more flexible terms and, you know, then create environment that our employees love to be in. So we're seeing a lot more of the enterprise clients going in shared office space. But when I really kind of double clicked into the industry, what I noticed is what really made one operator stand out versus another was the experience they're creating for the end user. And primarily, they were doing that by creating a, a place or an environment of connection and community. And I think that the operators that are kind of best in class today, even though they've scaled and grown a lot, that's what they're fundamentally doing. They're creating a better experience for their end user. And so we created a company that was a co working space, but it was what we saw was a niche in the multifamily space where a lot of times there is a lobby and amenity space that goes underutilized in multifamily. And our basic premise was. We could activate that environment through co-working, create an income stream for the asset in the process, but also differentiate the project through an experience that both the resident and, and a co-working member would want. That was really the genesis of what we're doing in Craftwork now, and that company that I started in Houston was merged with a company called Craftwork when I met the founder of Craftwork in Fort Worth and. We had one of those meetings where we just sat down and we were finishing each other's sentences, both on kind of why we started our our companies and the opportunity that we saw uh, within multifamily to create a better experience in multifamily through uh, focusing on what the end user really wants. And so Riley Kilse is my, my partner, and we decided to merge our companies, combine our companies, and we raised capital. With the idea of putting a specialty coffee shop in the context of where the an existing lobby is, activating that space, energizing it, making it kind of the, the hub of connectivity within a multifamily building and really differentiating the asset in the process and so where we are today is Craftwork has existing locations that are in traditional retail has its first location in a multifamily building in a project in the domain in Austin and our model going forward is one in which we convert existing lobbies into essentially a activated cafe F&B experience that fulfills many of the duties that a traditional concierge does for an asset, but then has added layers of services that include the F&B, the the food, specialty coffee, alcohol for uh, residents, poolside service for residents. And most importantly, there's an individual who is really focused on driving resident experience and resident connection, and that's our bar host who's really, for us, the star of our show and that person is trained, equipped, and hired as someone who uh, really loves to connect and create a, a good experience for the residents in their building. Okay. Wow. That, that was uh, a lot. <laughs> that was a,
1: a lot. There in the, and there's a lot to break down there. You answered 90% of the questions that I had prepared <laughs> for the interview. But, but no, there's still a lot that I'd like to understand a little bit better. First of all, the concept sounds phenomenal. I think it makes sense on a lot of different levels. It's certainly very aligned with, we've seen trends being headed, as you mentioned, with what you were seeing while you were working at CBRE as a broker. And at the end of the day, I think that the brokers are often the group of people that are the most sensible to what's actually happening in the market and what people actually want. So for you to make a decision to found a company based on what you were seeing as a as a broker, to me that that makes a lot of sense and in particular what you said about activating empty amenities through co-working when i first started visiting apartment buildings a few years ago um, soon after graduating from college one of the first things that i noticed is how the amenity space the the clubhouse in particular was always the most breathtaking part of the of the mm-hmm. project and it was always empty completely empty typically completely empty and you had a very nice pool table or a very Mm. nice kitchen with very nice appliances very nice area to do work you would think or or people to do their homework or to cook but a lot of times it's empty and so Mm. i I do think that you recognize the great opportunity there to activate that space so just to make sure that i understood correctly so The original concept that you kicked off, that was for co-working, but did that also include the coffee piece or that come later when you merged the two companies?
0: Well, first of all, what you just mentioned about empty amenity space or generally underutilization of space in the shared space within multifamily, that's right at the heart of our thesis and where we see the traditional thinking within multifamily, and it's It's a reasoned approach. You can make good argument for this approach. I'm not knocking it, but the traditional thinking within multifamily is: we obviously there's a huge demand for additional supply. The supply is all trying to attract a similar demographic—25 to 35 year olds—and then kind of the renter by choice category, which is baby boomer and that demographic, we as an owner or developer, we think that we can differentiate our project versus a competitive set by having more amenities, more allocation of square footage and amenity, more expensive amenities, you know, golf simulators and movie theaters. And again, on some level, on the front end, that strategy works. The problem is, as you really articulated well, is the actual user experience, the resonance, they don't typically utilize the space the way that I think that the space is designed. And so it's a, it's a huge opportunity and and fundamentally our value proposition and what we try to communicate to multifamily owners and developers is that you don't want to be in the amenities arms race. You want to be in an experience arms race. And you can kind of, as long as you have beautiful space and well-constructed space uh, a good location that's kind of table stakes and then how you would differentiate your project versus another project is more like a hotel competes against another hotel so you want to create a better experience for your residents and and we think you can do that through in one way our service which is craftwork hospitality services it's a f and b service that creates a great community and great connection and a great environment so that just wanted to highlight, I think you articulated, you know, our thesis as well. But then going back to your first question, yes, we, our journey has been one where we started as pure co-working and multifamily, saw a lot of the attributes that I just described when, in that company was the company I started called Work Flourish in Houston. Work Flourish merged with Craftwork and then became coffee and co-working. And that was a lot better when you ha- when you added this coffee hub as the kind of energizing focal point that really activated the rest of the space. And that's where we did our next series of, of locations in that model. And then more recently, coming out of COVID, we pivoted our model again. And as opposed to a 4,000 square foot footprint that we would uh, carve out from a multifamily project in pre-development, We have a model now where we can put a 200 square foot bar in an existing lobby space. It could be existing or it could be in pre-development and reimagine the whole lobby experience into this activated cafe experience. And the key opportunity that we've discovered is having a, a higher vision for what concierge services could be. So, What we typically do is go into high-rise or mid-rise assets that have existing concierge expense and replace that concierge expense with our service. And then typically where the concierge desk sits is where we put our hospitality bar. And so we're able to go into an asset and not increase any asset level expense because we're replacing the concierge expense and the coffee expense line item provide this really exceptional F&B experience, and then we share a portion of our revenue with the owner. So there's actually an added revenue component to the asset as well.
1: Okay. Okay. And actually, you answered uh, one of my questions, which was if your product can only accommodate buildings or projects that were in the pre-development phase and planning stages. But I think it makes to me a lot of sense that you've been able to develop a product that also fits in existing buildings? Because, I mean, the the market there is simply much larger.
0: Yes. I mean, and that was foundational to our most recent adaptation of the model in that um, you're absolutely right. In our previous model where we were coffee and co-working in a three to four thousand square foot footprint, it would only work in pre-development. And we were in a meeting with a, a very large landlord and just one of our favorite partners. And they said, Hey, this is great. You know, we have a couple projects that are in pre-development, you know, but those aren't going to land until 2024, 2025. And, you know, we have a bunch of properties right now, you know, what can you do in those assets? And this was, you know, later part of uh, mid part of 2019. And, you know, Riley and I didn't have a very good answer for this very <laughs> wonderful, large owner. And so that really made us go to the drawing board and ask ourselves, what would have to be true in order for Crawford to go into an existing asset? And fundamentally, the conclusion that we came to was that we couldn't increase asset level expense. We had to be low risk for the landlord. We had to be low capital cost. And so we came up with what we called this hospitality bar that, can go into an existing asset with a low capital expense, replace existing expense line items, and completely differentiate the building in the process by making the lobby or surrounding amenity area into this activated hub that it was really designed to be, but just didn't have the the operation to bring it to life. Yeah.
1: And that makes a lot of sense that you realize you had to make it low risk for the landlord and at a a low capital cost. So from the point of view of an apartment owner, what do I have to do or what's the benefit in incorporating a craft work to the project? Or more to rephrase the question, what are the implications or how would the numbers look on on mine? Or can you just give me a little bit more information on how
0: that would look? Yeah, Jorge, it's an excellent question. And so... Because we want to come into an asset without increasing expense generally, the initial product set that we're focused on, as you might imagine, are high-rise assets or mid-rise assets that have existing concierge line item expenses and a pretty good coffee line item expense. Because in the ideal scenario, we're coming in to either a building that's under construction that has those expenses as part of the pro forma. Or we're going into an existing asset that has those current expenses. And we really want to help differentiate and bring a lot of value creation to the building by putting craftwork in uh, in exchange for you know, those line items. And so that's kind of the starting point is we think at this stage in our company, that's our beachhead. That's really our focus. And all of our, our deals that we have currently signed and deals in our pipeline are in that category I will say with a few exceptions where there's been a few mid-rises that have looked at craftwork as an investment. And so they didn't have the concierge line item, but they think that craftwork going to really drive occupancy and retention. And so it's worth the expense to put craftwork in the building. But let's take the hypothetical scenario that this is a high-rise asset that has existing concierge costs. Craftwork would come in and for essentially, like we price our hospitality service fee at the same price as a standard concierge service provider. So that cost essentially swaps out as opposed to paying a concierge fee. The owner pays Craftwork a hospitality service fee. Craftwork has a estimate that varies based on what structures are already in place and we test fit and design how our bar would look. We, we try to do very minimal, hard cost construction. We manufacture our bar offsite and then place the bar, typically where the concierge desk goes, but it can vary because we want the bar to feel like it always belong and fits where we where it ends up. And then, Craftwork uh, shares 10% of its F&B revenue with the owner. So. In the case that we've, we've swapped out costs, there's been no cost to the asset, and now the asset is picking up 10% of all the sales from our coffee. We have healthy grab-and-go food items, and then we have alcohol in the evenings, which include craft beers and canned wines and hard seltzers, but then bottles of wine that residents can buy at our point of sale and bring up to their room. And so that's generally the, in the ideal scenario at that mid-rise or high-rise, the assets is actually picking up an income stream and really creating a a differentiated service and amenity for the residents.
1: Okay. Yeah. I certainly see the product being very aligned with the more so in a meat-rise or high-rise than in a suburban garden-style product where I was originally picturing the clubhouses and the amenities that I was originally picturing. So- Trevor, today, how many locations do you have? And I know you've mentioned several different product types that you offer. So how many locations do you have and of which kind?
0: Yeah, and um, probably wasn't as clear as I could have been as I described everything in the introduction. So i tried to fit in a lot in there. So apologies if it wasn't clear. But we, we have four existing locations. Three of them are what we call our legacy locations that are standalone in traditional retail locations in Fort Worth that are coffee and co-working. And that's, and that's kind of the heart and bread and butter of how we've really created a lot of our processes and product experience on the coffee side and how we hire our amazing people. And, and then the coffee that we brew, we have one location that is in the, what we call the legacy model where we carved out more of a square footage in pre-development with a multi-family developer. And that is a project that we partnered with Stone Lake and Street Lights in the domain in Austin. Um, okay. And then in our hospitality services model, those projects, uh, our first is going to be delivered with Camden in the uh, fourth quarter of 2020. And then we have a project uh, in Fort Worth that's launching in fourth quarter 2020. And then a number of projects that will be launching in 2021.
1: Okay, now I, I can I can picture it very clearly. So you have the three legacy locations. Those are what you'd consider a traditional coffee shop with co-working space. And then the one location at the domain with the where you're actually in a multifamily project, and that's the one that I need to go visit this week.
0: Yes, and, please do. And, We'd love to have you out there,
1: of course. And and then you're opening your first under the hospitality model, and that's with the smaller concept, where you're simply doing a bar within the multifamily building. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. We're reimagining the lobby space and in existing assets where before it was a traditional lobby and surrounding amenity area. And we're putting our bar where now it becomes kind of the, the activated hub of a community within the building. And also it has unique resident benefits. The residents have special ways that they're They bill for their food where it's more like a a club experience. We do poolside service from our bars, but fundamentally we're there to be the consistent connection point between residents and the building where Mm -hmm. we have one of our team members who are engaging and connecting with residents when they come down and get their copy, really seeking to know their names, know their stories and create a great experience for them.
1: Yeah. And the one in the domain area, is that one also open to the public or is it for exclusive use of the residents?
0: Yes, it is. It's open to the public. And that is part of the model and the hospitality company model in that typically uh, to create that activity and energy, the space is open to the public during our operating hours. And it creates a certain vibrancy and energy in the space and also additional leads where prospective residents who wouldn't have otherwise come in the building. And it's similar to what you might think about in kind of a really vibrant boutique hotel or hotel type bar where it's primarily for the guest of the hotel, but then outside guests are welcome to come in and add to the, the vibrancy and energy during set times.
1: I love the idea of bringing in more of a hospitality component to a multifamily building because traditionally, The multifamily product does not offer really much in terms of hospitality services, but particularly now with, as you mentioned, the renter by choice demographic, a lot of the baby boomers that are looking for a, to remove themselves from the hassle of home ownership and to have more of a hassle-free and flexible lifestyle, bringing in a lot of these hospitality kind aspects. It's what a lot of people these days are really looking for, so I yeah, really like I mean, that.
0: We, piece. I think that's a a wonderful insight and very accurate description, Jorge. And I think we're delighted that we're part of a bigger trend called hotelification of multifamily. Um, mm-hmm, exactly. We, we're, 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 I hadn't heard that term, but yeah. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's wonderful when you, you think you have a, a you know an innovative idea, and then you realize that you're really just part of a bigger community trying to all solve for the same thing and it's it's validating for us because obviously our idea is novel and it's definitely new but when you see groups like Hello Alfred who who are just doing a wonderful job of integrating technology into multifamily in a way that kind of brings a personalized type concierge service to each of the residents You know, we think that we're just one piece of a bigger puzzle that is doing exactly what you described, kind of the the hotelification of multifamily to, and what that is at its core, Jorge, is the focus on the end user, kind of the the realization that, of course, location, location, location is always going to be important in real estate, quality of the building is always going to be important in real estate. But increasingly, for a number of reasons and a number of shifts in how, in users think about things that they want to spend their money on and, and purchase and buy and how they make buying decisions is the end user, in this case, the resident, is going to select the building that they get that is the best experience for them. Because the range of locations, uh, especially in kind of a more of a remote working environment, is going to be, it's going to be, to be a larger radius. And so the buildings that differentiate themselves through creating a better experience for the end user are going to be the most valuable real estate assets in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree completely with that. So, how do you see Craftwork's growth in the, in the next couple of years? You're about to open your first hospitality location in the first quarter of, of next year. And how do you see your, your growth from there?
0: Yeah, well, it's an exciting time for Craftwork, and the future of our company is in this hospitality service model because it really opens up the number of opportunities for Craftwork to really differentiate buildings. And so we're we're really pleased that we've arrived at this model. It's every step along the way. It's kind of built on itself to create what we now call our hospitality service model. We we think it's the model that. It can go into the most buildings, can really serve our mission, which primarily we're driven by, which is to draw people out of isolation and into community and help decrease loneliness. So for us, we have to be very disciplined as a smaller company to focus on not be distracted by shiny objects and want to do too much. We're really focused on scaling our hospitality service model first in Texas and mid-rise high-rise buildings and then expanding to other markets. Once we're able to do that and really make a difference in residents' lives, then it would be exciting to adapt our model to what you mentioned before, a more broader range of types of multifamily and even think about other asset classes like office and see if we can solve a similar problem in office lobbies. Sure.
1: I don't see why that couldn't be a logical next step because you talk about the hotelification of multifamily, but in a sense, we've also seen those trends in office with, I mean, co-working itself brings a lot of the those service elements to the office users, like not the concierge, but the receptionist, the food, the fridge, the coffee, the beers and I actually work in a a co-working space myself, and it's that service element. And again, that makes it very hassle-free, which is what something that today we value more than I think ever before, just having other people take care of things that you don't want to take care of, like the internet, or if somebody is dropping something off, you want somebody else to be able to be there to pick it up for you, and all those kinds of little things that... These traditional multifamily and office industries are now very much leaning towards the, the hotelification aspect of it. So I certainly do see on breaking into office as a potential next step, although in a way you already are doing it with your co-working element to your yeah. locations.
0: Well, again, I, I think that's a really keen insight in the next two asset classes to really be differentiated from their competitive set through end user experience is multifamily and office. And I think that in the foreseeable future, our focus is going to be on multifamily and really try to be excellent in understanding how we serve the end user of the resident. There's all sorts of neat, you know, trends that I think. We're just accelerated from the global pandemic that we all have been through. And obviously, one of the most obvious ones, which is the mass adoption of remote working overnight for the entire population. And obviously, while there's going to be some resetting back to a somewhat normalcy in the coming months and years, I think that most people would say that the, the net increase in remote working across the board, uh, whether it's a couple days a week or every day a week, is going to increase in the future. And so, you know, for multifamily, that means that the home becomes all the more important. People are going to be spending a lot more time at home. And if their home is a multifamily building, then their surrounding amenities become all the more important. And so how you bring those amenities to life and really create uh, a lot of what you described um, just a better, ultimately a better experience for the resident who's using them, I think will sure. make a big difference for multifamily owners and the new normal.
1: Yeah, no, and something that I've heard you say again and again in, in our time here is focus on the end user and how you're trying to enhance user experience. And I think it's that focus on the end user that at the end of the day is going to make you and your company be very successful because I think you're you're very well you know who you need to satisfy at the end of the day, more than the owner of the asset, more than the developer. It's the, as long as you're able to create a product that makes the end user happy and that solves something for them, then you have a successful product in your hands.
0: Well, I mean, I think that is very well said, and I appreciate that. that and I would say that we very much consider ourselves a service provider for owners. And so we very much value our owner partners. And really the best way that we feel we can provide value to them and service them mm-hmm. is to relentlessly focus on the end user experience. That's where we see the opportunity for owners to really create value is to help them understand and be that that operator that says, Hey, you know, there's a new world coming and in that new world you have to still be world class in location selection, in the development process, in the quality of the building and what you're building. And now also you have to create an experience that, you know, is going to make one resident choose your building over over another and and want to stay there. And at the heart of that experience for us is a place that is creates connection and community and and vibrancy and and so that in user focus is we feel the best way that we can serve our, our owner partners. Yep. Yep.
1: So Trevor, tell me a little bit about your coffee roasting facility. That really does sound like a magical place.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it is. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, there's people, teammates of mine who are just so much more gifted and talented at their craft than, than I will ever be. But it's, uh, our, our head roaster josh just makes a wonderful coffee we're especially coffee roaster so we buy the best beans from the source uh, from farmers that we know how to buy and then it's a really thoughtful process in how we roast and so if you go to craftworkgroup.com you can see the selection of coffee that we do sell online uh, but we sell in all of our shops and um we won a lot of awards and I'm really proud of my teammates who just, they really do make wonderful coffee.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't wait to try it. Trevor, are, are you ready for our fire round? Please. Perfect, let's go. What's a book that has had the most profound impact in your life?
0: There's a book from a mentor, his name is Terry Looper, and he wrote a book called Sacred Pace, and it's a book on making decisions. Terry Looper started a energy company called Texon, and it's um, one of the most successful private companies in the energy sector, and really in all of the country. But he has some principles that really have been life changing, in and how he makes decisions, and just his the intentionality behind how he makes decisions. And I'm not nearly at the point where <laughs> where Terry is on the process that he takes, but. He's been a mentor of mine, and I couldn't recommend his book, Sacred Pace, high enough.
1: Perfect. Thank you for that recommendation. I'll definitely check it out. What's, Trevor, the single most important skill to have, in your opinion, as a business owner?
0: Wow. Well, I love that question. So there's two that come to my mind, and I was just talking to my son about them this morning. You know, one is just uh, integrity. And I know that gets... Mm -hmm thrown around a lot of course, but it truly means doing what's right when no one is looking and you know knowing looking yourself in the mirror that you did what's right, it means making the hard decision that you know may not benefit you in the short term but you know is the right one. And I think if you want a long-term career to be known as someone who will always do what's right even if it doesn't benefit that person in the short term, you build a wonderful reputation that way. So it is long-term, one of the most uh, self-serving things you can do is just to be filled with integrity. And then the other piece of it is just resiliency, because I I don't think you have to be the smartest guy in the room to have a successful business, but you need to be able to get knocked down 99 times and, and get back up 100 times, because there's always going to be problems and there's always going to be things that go wrong, particularly if you're trying to start something that doesn't exist or you're trying to improve a company. And so it it really kind of takes that resiliency over time and integrity over time. And I think everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I I really like your answer. I think that really sums it up very, very well. And and I, I agree completely with what you just said. I think if you act with integrity and if you are resilient towards the pursuit of whatever it is that you want to achieve, it's hard to not get to where you want in the long run, right? Yeah. Because I agree.
0: No, I absolutely agree no with that. There. And I think you know, innately within that is, if you you have integrity and you're resilient, you're, you're going to work hard. But you know, you're also going to honor your family uh, commitments and obligations, and your and live a balanced life. But yeah, if you're your filter integrity, you have resiliency and you're and you're given your best effort, then I, I really don't see how you can go wrong.
1: Yeah. Trevor, what's a real estate trend that you're paying attention
0: to? Yeah, well we we talked a lot about it, but it's really how asset classes are going to be operated and valued a lot more like the hospitality sector, the ho- hotel sector. And I the next two asset classes to make that move is going to be office and multifamily. And it's simply, it's going to mean that the end user experience is going to become more and more important in each of those asset classes and ultimately how those asset classes are valued. So if anyone on this call is in the hotel industry, you know, they know it's really a different financial modeling and underwriting process than office or even multifamily. So there's a of- lot
1: more focus on the user experience, right, Yeah. On. When, when yeah. you underwrite a multifamily project, rarely do you talk about the end user because, I mean, there's a lot more focus on the asset itself. Yes. But when you're underwriting a hotel, there's inherently you have to focus on the user. Like, where are they going to like this? And I think it's because when somebody leases a, an apartment project, they lease for a year, and then you you have that client tied up for a year but when when you 're in the hospitality business, they're making those decisions every single day of whether or not to stay there, so you have to keep them happy every single day
0: yeah that's a great point, and it 's why when hotel owners are going to get equity and debt they they almost always have to have their operator in tow that has an experience and track record of creating really great end user experience and we're not there yet on the office or multifamily side. And I don't know if we'll ever get fully to that point, but I think that the operator is going to increase in its importance in each of those uh, asset classes. And I know that sounds a little self-serving because we're one of those operators, but it's just the opportunity that we see that owners of those asset classes really have to think about how they're going to differentiate the operations of their, their buildings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Trevor, what's a parting piece of advice that you have for our audience today?
0: Well, I think uh, going back to being filled with integrity and resilient, and then what I would add is something that you're you're displaying, Jorge, is just you know add value, you know, and add more value than you take, you know, be a net giver. And that's what I feel like you're doing with this podcast. And if you're bringing value to the marketplace, then uh, and and you're filled with integrity and you're resilient. Again, I, I don't see how you can you can go wrong, in in a real estate industry that just is filled with uh, opportunity. And when you bring those qualities to this industry, you're going to be you know wonderfully rewarded for it.
1: Thank you for saying that, Jordan. I would just like to point out, in the sake of transparency, and in the sake of giving even more value than I take, that I actually think that I personally have gotten more out of this podcast than the value that that I've brought. So. I mean, at the end of the day, it's something that I'm, I'm glad it's helping others, but it's also been good for me as well. So, And I hope that it's also been good for the guests that I bring on the show. So, it's, I mean, I try to make it a, I mean, a win-win-win, right, for everybody involved. So, I mean, it's something that, again, trying to bring value, something that I think if anybody has the opportunity to start something like this, I would really encourage them to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, well, it makes total sense. And um, and also, it makes total sense that while you are giving with this podcast, of course, it brings a lot of value to you. And that's, uh, I think, that I would tell the audience, when you bring value to your network or to your friends or your family, of course, it comes back to you in wonderful ways. And so the key is starting with the intent of that adding value and, and being okay you know, what no matter what. And then you'll be amazed that, yeah, it, it does come back in, in wonderful ways back to you.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly. So, Trevor, how can people reach you if they want to learn more about you or more about what you do in your company?
0: Yeah, well, our website, craftworkgroup.com, has a lot of great resources and has a, a link for real estate partners that says how you know, a lot of potential partners of ours get in touch with us. And you can reach out to me anytime as well And my email, trevor at craftworkgroup.com. Would love to connect with any of you. And it's uh, been a pleasure to be on today.
1: Thank you very much, Trevor. It's been a great pleasure to have you and to learn all about what you guys are doing. And I can't wait to see what's in store for Craftwork. You're going to be your, opening your, your first location under your new model in a few months. And I'm sure... Many more will we'll follow soon thereafter. So I can't
0: wait to see what's next for you and your team. Well, thank you so much, Jorge. I uh, really appreciate that and um, look forward to staying in touch. And yeah, I can't wait to have you to our awesome location and, and out to Fort Worth anytime you're, you're out here next.
1: For sure. Thank you very much. Jorge. Have a great week and take care. We'll be in touch.
0: Thank you so much. Take
1: care.